Oh, that's the thing I want to see if I can. Can I change? I don't need to change the display name because this is just audio. What am I doing? This is Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. It's the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers from my beautiful South Side of State. I'm Mike Fleischman. Joining me over the wonder of the internet, all the way from beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's Matt Mellumsetter. Matt, it's been about a week since we've talked, so seven days worth of catching up. How are you? How are you, sir? I'm doing good. You know, I had a I had a good week. I I was able to take a couple good naps. Uh, I'd say that was really the highlight uh, of the gap since we last. We last spoke um, last week on August 21st. That is absolutely correct. Somehow you managed to move to Brooklyn and, and are undertaking an entirely new career path since, since we last talked. But, you know, so, uh, was, it, uh, was it Lennon who said there are weeks where decades happen and decades where weeks happen? So we just had one of those, it seems, <laughs> what happened here. It was, it was good. I hired like a whole kind of secret, quiet moving team. Um, they're all like former CIA guys and they just kind of came into my Chicago apartment, packed everything up, took it to Colorado for a day. I was in Colorado for one day, not a whole year. Um, and then they repacked it all up, brought me out to Brooklyn, New York, um, and moved me into this apartment. Um, it's, it's been great. I've really liked my six days here. That actually happened to a friend of mine. A friend of mine married someone who was an active duty service member in the Navy, and because uh, he had married into that relationship, they, she was going to be stationed out in Hawaii. So the army will actually pay and provide you with services for the movers. So my buddy handled that by not packing really anything and just like <laughs> having the folks come into his apartment and look at like, you know, the absolute chaos of like a dirtbag's apartment and be like, have fun getting this to Hawaii and then just got on the plane. <laughs> I'm sure they lost a few things along the way out of Probably. spite. I'm sure he missed all of the junk that they didn't they didn't bring him in uh, in garbage bags. But if the if the U.S. Armed Services ever offer to do anything for you, that is absolutely how you should take on that problem with yourself. Uh, this ostensibly is a podcast about the Green Bay Packers, uh, the best football team on the entire world. Uh, I'm Mike. That's Matt. We know a little bit about the Packers. Matt, the 2022 season is is moments away, days away, minutes away. And the Packers have gone through a draft, a whole training camp season, a preseason schedule. And I want to start all the way back at the draft. Uh, the Packers had some had some good high draft picks and they spent it on some defensive guys and also tried to add to the wide receiver position. So I want to talk a little bit just off the top, like your general thoughts on the guys that they brought in, particularly the, uh, the top guys, the day one guys, Devonte Wyatt, Christian Watson, Sean Ryan, and Romeo Dobbs. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Quay Walker. The first pick off the board. I think for the first time that I can remember, uh, we have a, the Green Bay Packers have a really good, inside linebacking crew quay walker can just fly um and matching him up with devondre campbell i think he'll be kind of a day one starter not in on every snap but most of them um and you pair that with like chris barnes and isaiah mcduffie played really well this preseason he'll make the roster i think that's a really strong inside linebacking crew um Devontae wyatt plays on the defensive line we haven't seen him a whole ton this preseason um Matt LaFleur just had a quote the other day kind of talking about like he's getting used to it 
he it's taking him a little bit. I think we see that a lot with like defensive linemen. We saw it with Rashawn Gary um, playing like edge. He's like it, it you know, it, it takes a, it takes a while for guys who have kind of played in such a physical position um, through college and everything who are able to coast on just their pure talent and athleticism to get to the NFL where everyone is that talented and athletic to learn like, okay, now it comes down to technique and effort on every single snap. And I can't just go 80% one snap and win all my matchups, no matter what. Um, so I think Devontae Wyatt's going to be kind of the towards the back half of this year, he'll start to figure it out into next year, similar to Rashawn Gary. Yeah. There are very, um, very few interior linemen that really come in immediately and make an impact in the NFL. And it's, it's a situation where, Everything happens so fast. It's one of those immediate contact positions, snap of the ball, and immediately you're engaged with another person on the offensive side. And you mentioned that there's a huge gap in, in athleticism and talent on the on the other side of the ball. The guys you're facing are the best players from their team coming in. And yeah, that's a that's a real tough position to get acclimated to. One thing I like about those two defensive draft picks is that you bring in guys to play very similar positions to guys that you really like on the defense. You love Devondre Campbell. I'm a huge Devondre Campbell fan. He was my favorite addition to the team last year. And the, the things that he proved was, was very Zedarius Smith-like where you take a player who is well-regarded and you put him into a leadership role and he does well for you. So you put, you put Quay Walker next to him, and then you add to an, a defensive line where Kenny Clark is your guy, and they love Kenny Clark. They give him tons of money to play. So you bring in rookies next to guys who are not only veterans but physical prime players. So you're expecting you're expecting there to be a a comradeship and also a building block and a, a progression from you know these are your veterans, these are your young guys, and you paired them together in a situation where they can work together. Yeah, it's I think it's a good like plan, especially with Devondre Campbell being a little bit older and, you know, how, how long is he going to play at an all-pro level, right? That kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I think it's a good idea to put Quay Walker there. Campbell knows the system, really good guy. You can kind of build off that, play off that. Quay Walker can learn from him and be ready to be that guy in a couple of years. Um, Christian Watson was the, the first day two pick. In the second round, wide receiver out of North Dakota State. Another guy we haven't seen a whole ton of. He's been injured. Um, he's been working back into practices and everything, but didn't play in any of the preseason games. Really, really athletically talented and really pretty raw in terms of route running and, and, and everything like that. But 6-4 runs a ridiculous 40. I feel like it's like 4-3 something. Um, he'll... I think I think to start we're going to see him a lot in in verts and posts and stuff where it doesn't take a lot of quick cuts uh, on his routes uh, and that's where Romeo Dobbs will come in um, and I, th I think I think Romeo Dobbs is going to be the number one most targeted player in this offense this year is, is my initial assumption based off of practices now everything's been gone. Yeah, Dobbs definitely has been the the preseason hero. Of course, when you when you come in with a little technical ability at wide receiver, that does tend to stand out right away, because everyone is going fast, and guys who are able to to run routes and and get open against coverage based on more than just whether or not you've left them in the dust is is something that can be a little bit rare in the preseason. So I've I've definitely appreciated like 
is is technical ability and there's also just there's a little bit of a little bit of a spark that I think he's added. I think another guy that I've watched who like has that spark on offense is third string quarterback and and absolutely doomed non-factor Danny Etling, but uh you know those guys who come in and play with just a little bit of extra a little extra sauce as they say. Yeah. I and yeah, talking about that, I really like Danny Etling. I think that's a good practice squad third quarterback. You pray to God that he never sees a yeah. single meaningful snap. But he'll be a fun guy on the team just like Kurt Benkert was for years. Um yeah, I, I, I like Etling. He's he's got a little he's got a little juice to him. Uh another guy I think has a little juice to him is uh Tyler Goodson. I don't think I don't think he'll make the fifty-three, but he's got some juice. He'll sneak onto the practice squad. He's been fun to watch. Also in that group of uh, of guys who are picked in in uh, rounds one through three is Sean Ryan, a offensive lineman. That's a position right now where the Packers are are hoping that they don't have to rely on a lot of these guys that they saw in the preseason. They're of course hoping that Elton Jenkins is able to come back. He seems to be on track. The huge question mark is David Bakhtiari at left tackle because that that injury he suffered appears to have been extremely serious. I know it's been it's been hard to really learn any specifics, but that rehab for him has been very slow. So you're you're hoping that a lot of guys that we're talking about right now aren't going to see the field. But uh Ryan early on looks projected to be uh be in the starting lineup at least for week one possibly. No, yeah, he's looked good. Bakhtiari, it seems like he's had like three separate surgeries on this. He's had multiple setbacks. What I've seen is that he's getting closer, and this is going to be something like maybe he's not there week one. He's there early in the year um, if things continue as planned. They haven't continued as planned thus far, so who knows. Um, but, yeah, if, if Bakhtiari comes back, if Elton Jenkins come back, comes back, this could be another year of a really strong offensive line. I'd assume the Packers keep 10 alignment, at least nine. Um, They'll be good. Zach Toms looked pretty good as well. He was a fourth rounder. Yeah, that gets us into uh, the the later rounds of the draft. A lot, a lot of names that that I'm not going to be very familiar with. I know that you you love to know about these guys who are down at sort of the bottom of the draft and undrafted free agents. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this segment of who down at the bottom of this draft or guys that we've maybe never heard of. Who do you think is is going to possibly make an impact for the Packers in the regular season this year? Uh, I think Kingsley Anigbare is going to be in the like edge outside linebacker rotation from day one. And he was he's in, he was incredibly talented coming out of uh, South Carolina. Um, he'll he'll work right along with Preston and Rashawn Gary, and I don't really see much competition for him. You know, like Jonathan Garvin. Uh, who, who are we really wanting to give snaps on the, the outside? on the edge um other guys samari toure wide receiver i i don't think he'll make the 53 i think he'll be a practice squad guy but he he's similar to dobbs he's done a good job of getting open in the preseason runs decent routes he's got some juice he's got some burst um dropped a couple balls but so has every single packers wide receiver in the preseason um i think i think i think toure could be a dude could make the roster as a special teams guy, most likely as a practice squad guy who comes up a couple times with injuries this year. 
Another question I wanted to ask you, I know we, we talked a bit about Christian Watson, but I wanted to talk a bit about like the, the idea behind Christian Watson, because you see guys like this coming into the, coming into the league. Some of them like DK Metcalf have a little bit of an adjustment period and then they work out. And you know, that, that pairing of Russell Wilson, um, you know, rest in peace and, and DK Metcalf has, was extremely exciting and a lot of good things come out of it. But, uh, some 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 people really frown on the idea of drafting, especially high drafting wide receivers based purely on on physical talent, how fast the numbers are, how fast the measurables are. The Packers are extremely into that. Love it or hate it, they they love doing that. Their their upper round draft picks are usually graded out uh, as as high as you can get on on combine on on measurables. Uh, that's always been something where I I tend to trust the people who make those decisions myself because. You know, once we get into the regular season and I start to decide whether I think players are good or not, they've been through a, a month-long process of, of being trained up and being evaluated by, by coaches and people who know better than me. But I'm just curious on your opinion, like drafting purely on numbers the way the, way the Packers seem to have gone in the, in the last couple of drafts. Yeah, you know, I, I think it signals like true belief in your coaches. And I think that if there's any organization in the NFL, especially in the NFC North, that can say, we can get this guy, our coaches can turn him into a, a stud, it's going to be the Packers. I mean, Alan Lazard, undrafted, kind of flunks out of the Jaguars system. Packers pick him up. Right now he's on track to be the number one. Um, they do it pretty consistently, especially in the offensive line and everything. Like You can go physical specimen type of guy and and turn him into something christian watson i think is really interesting when compared to like a dk metcalf because he he meets the like just raw speed and burst and quickness and everything like that but his his three cones really good you know dk had issues with his hips and it was like can he get out of routes can he get out of cuts well you know is he gonna have to run these big bending routes instead of like quick slants Watson does a pretty good job on this. Um, he's a dude that's 6'4", runs a ridiculous 40, and has juice coming out of cuts and quickness and everything. I I, I think he's he's going to be really interesting to watch with just what they have him do this year. I think he's a two- to three-year kind of development piece, which how does that align with Aaron Rodgers' window? Eh, who knows? Um, but – It'd be interesting to see what they have him doing this year. That brings us along to just the team as as a whole. We've talked a bit about some of these new guys. I think what I like about this season is that outside of the wide receiver position where the loss of Devontae Adams foreshadowing, we'll talk about that in a second. Outside of the loss of Devontae Adams, there hasn't there wasn't a serious loss in a position group right now. You're talking about Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. You're t- you've got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon at running back. You've got Randall Cobb as the veteran wide receiver amongst a bunch of guys. You've got Rob Tunyon hopefully coming back at the tight end. You've got as much as you can get as far as continuity on the offensive line, which is a, a position that can be short-lived for, for a lot of players kind, kind of coming in and out. But you have, you've had some continuity there. It's not been a new group of five every season. On the defensive side, you've got the established guys kind of in the middle at every position, Kenny Clark, Devondre Campbell, and then Amos and Savage in the backfield, along with a couple of cornerbacks that are among the absolute best you can get right now. It's a Packers roster overall that isn't going to have to rely entirely 
on new guys. There's a lot of veteran veteran players on this team. And you know, really, after just an incredibly disappointing exit last season, this is a team that, as you talked about, like the, this is going to have to be a coaching staff kind of team because you are getting the same guys back. Theoretically, they're the guys you want to be there because, hey, there they are again. So this is this is a team that I think a lot is a lot has been placed on the coaching staff to get the kind of results you had last year and then take a, another step forward that a lot of people felt uh, they, they should have been able to take last year. And they just did, weren't on a, were not able to against San Francisco. Yeah, it's. You know, I, I think losing Devontae Adams is very difficult. Yeah, that's I, that, that's very tough. I was shocked by that, by the way. If I if we can go back in time for a second to like that that happening, that that really surprised me that that happened because it seemed like if like at least for a Packers beat writer, if you're a Packers beat writer and you wanted to do a quick puff story. A story on how well Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers get along was like the first bullet point on your list. Like, no, oh, what could I do today? Ah, oh, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. They like each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was, you know, the Packers supposedly offered him more money. He'd been there for forever. He was established in Green Bay. You have an almost uh, ES, what? what uh, telekinetic ESPN relationship ESPN between relationship, and Adams. Uh, between, <laughs> uh, and you know, like it was, it was shocking. I was, I was on a train, not a New York train, a Chicago train. I, I wasn't, I hadn't arrived in New York yet. That week had not started for me. Um, when I got the news, it was just shocking. Uh, but outside of that, I think. Brian Gutekunst has done and Russ Ball have done all that they can to pull some contract wizardry together to keep the core of this team together. Um, and I, I think this is a year where we're going to see this is a defense team. This is a defensive first team, and we're going to need to see Matt LaFleur do his version of wizardry to pull the offense together. Let's talk about Don, where Devontae Adams ended up on the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I've been out to Las Vegas a bunch. It's a favorite destination of mine. My, I had my wedding out there 15 years ago. So it's a place that Amy and I love to come back to uh, to kind of revisit that despite not being big gamblers. But they have they have football fever out there. It's a uh, it's a it's a big fucking deal. This is an R-rated podcast this year, by the way. It's a big fucking deal oh, yeah. that the that the Raiders are out there and they are trying to move on from from some very some some questionable decisions you know they have a football palace uh but they they had a coach who lost his job uh due to being wrapped up in the the washington commander's email scandal sort of as a tertiary figure i i i suspect that like you know that that we're going to learn more out of that that kind of dwarfs what we learned we learned about john gruden uh in that whole deal but they also have a situation out there where you know a lot of a lot of young guys arrive out there and they start to get some paychecks. And Las Vegas is a place that really loves young guys who make big paychecks and can encourage some of their absolute worst tendencies. I know some of the tabloid stuff coming out about, about what the Raiders were dealing with, with players off the field out there was some of it was very bad without going into specifics. So bringing in a guy like Adams, you have, you have an incredibly motivated buyer in Las Vegas there to bring in a veteran to play with a veteran quarterback who kind of was asked to be the steward of the franchise moving from the Bay area out to Las Vegas. Uh, I mean, for, if you're the, if you're the Las Vegas Raiders, that is, 
that is exactly what you want to do. They pay they pay a fair price for him, and but they get exactly what they want, which is a guy who's gonna who's gonna be a, another face of the franchise and and try to provide a little stability for a team that hasn't had much. Yeah, I I think you know Derek Carr is a good quarterback. One thumbs up. Solid can he beat. win you a Super Bowl? Can he win you a Super Bowl? If your defense is really good and you have pieces around him, and Devontae Adams is a a Super Bowl winning piece, um, I think without question the best receiver in football. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good landing spot. I think from like a team composition, like a locker room team composition perspective, bringing Devontae Adams is into the the mix is really good. Derek Carr seems to have some like God will save us type of team leadership qualities to him. And Devontae Adams, from all that we've seen over the last eight years, seems to be a pretty normal, even keel dude who's not going to say, like, God will decide your fate <laughs> type of shit. <laughs> so that's nice for a 22-year-old kid with who just was handed $18 million in Las Vegas. Seems like Devontae Adams is going to be, you know, an important leader in that locker room. And, and that's nice. I Yeah, yeah. Las Vegas is a weird city, man. It uh, really is I, a strange place. I love it because of that, but many people don't, and I understand them. I, I want to go back. I went for one night. I really want to go back and just avoid the strip entirely and just do, like, neighborhood tours of Las Vegas. How are people living out here? What is it like? Uh, it's – have you, you – you were there for a night, so I'm assuming you didn't make it up, up north into old Las Vegas, the old strip on Fremont Street. No, that's, that's kind of been where where I've been where I've been staying recently, which is a lot a lot more of a uh, everything costs a little bit less. If you're if you're a cheap Midwesterner like like I am, everything costs a little less. And you love that. Last time we went out there was kind of an impromptu trip. We didn't even stay in a casino hotel at that point. We just stayed in a little place. And, you know, it's for me, it's all about like just the fact that it's it's America's pleasure palace like it is. It is every it is pretty much every vice that you could possibly want in America, like out in the desert. Everything about that city is fake. Nothing about it is real. And in order to enjoy it, like you have to be okay with that. You sort of have to like be all right being in a place that ethically is compromised. <laughs> and once <laughs> once you once you're all right with that, it really, really is a fantastic place to go visit because you know, if as you know, you're you're a filmmaker. You 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 watch the world through the lens of a camera. It's a place that, yeah. that uh, I think someone with with an aesthetics eye can can really appreciate. And yeah, off, once you once you kind of get into neighborhoods, Fremont is is right up in North Las Vegas, which is you know more of a working class kind of kind of community. And you know, once once you get up there, like it's it's a it's a wild place. You know, there's you know there's a a whole culture of you know, rather organized and and rather well represented like workers who you know su- who stay behind the scenes and support everything that that you see on the strip and you know it's it's a pretty interesting community and it's it's an older and more established like working community than say like you know Orlando Florida mm-hmm. but it's also like it's also a place where you know there's a lot of you know, a lot of people come and go. It it really is special. Our, we're highly off topic here, but Vegas fascinates me. So if you mention it, like I'm going, I'm going to bring it up. But yeah, I think that's a, a great move. Uh, Adams. The last thing I'll but say about him is that, yeah, not only from like a a cultural leadership standpoint, yeah, car cars rhetoric falls on deaf ears with me because you know I'm not I'm not a religious man, but 
you know, the, the Adam's rhetoric does does really appeal to me because he's a he's a work guy. He's a study guy. He's a yeah. research he's a researcher. He he takes a he takes an academic approach to sports, which is uh, you know, I th- I yeah, I think he could end up coaching if he wanted to because of this. Uh, but having that around your team as well, like a guy who clearly is a player and a star player and a great player, but also is incredibly motivated to be an academic towards the game and towards what he does. That's very helpful for a young team. I think the Raiders will be decent this year. I don't think they'll be a Super Bowl contender, but I wouldn't be shocked if by week six we're seeing a very similar Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams connection between Carr and Rodgers. They played together at Fresno State. They're close friends. They moved right next to each other. I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, a lot of what the connection between Rodgers and Adams was was a line of scrimmage connection, and you know, a, a lot of the things that that worked so well for that Rodgers Adams duo. Of course, you have the the you know the fact that like Adams has a, a a series of moves and releases that are pretty unparalleled in the NFL, and Rodgers has a magic arm. But you would certainly hope that you could bring Danny Etling off the off the bench and throw a quick out to Adams and have him make a move if he recognizes a mismatch. There's so many elements like that, that, you know, lesser quarterbacks and backups even could work with Adams as long as they had a decent understanding of and a situational awareness. There's lots of stuff that they did together that on paper isn't difficult. It just requires awareness and it requires communication. Yeah. Um, No, I'm, I'm I'm excited for, for Devante. It seems like that's what he wanted was to go to Las Vegas. Um, but what that means for the Packers is that we're going to have to get the Packers. We're going to, what we're going to see from the Packers is probably more of the 2020 Packers offense where it's very heavily scripted and it's more leaning on the floors, like play design and stuff. Felt like last year was more similar to the 2019 Packers where it's kind of a merging of the floor and Rogers kind of like Rogers ball, ISO ball type of thing. I think we're going to see a lot more third down struggles, especially on like a third and six type of situation um, where Rogers and Adams could just make eye contact and know exactly what to do to get open. Um, that's just not going to be there. That's going to stall a couple important drives. And yeah, I, I think we'll we'll have to see Aaron Jones use way more out of the slot yeah i think you have a really you have you have some great personnel packages available of course i am i am the world's biggest aj Dillon believer i was a believer in him from the beginning because you know frankly if you have a large running back i'm probably going to be a fan of said large running back you know i was uh i was i was i was the guy who was happy that they put uh chase uh Allstott on the on the cover of Madden that year. I was a Jerome Bettis fan back in the day. Like large men who run the ball are are good in my book altogether. I was it was it it drastically changed what Green Bay was able to do when Dylan got hurt into that San Francisco game. Yeah, he's become such a huge part of what they do now that you and you have a guy that in Aaron Jones that you pay him a lot of money. You got to find a way to use him. And he's got a lot of really distinct talents. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the two running back packages and what they do with that. I hope they use those frequently because I think there's huge potential there. 
I, I think we'll see a ton of it and a ton of it being Jones motioning out of the backfield to the slot or something like that. I, I, I just, I just think we, we're going to see so much of it because who's the option. I, I love Alan Lazard. Is Alan Lazard a number one receiver in the NFL? No. I really like Romeo Dobbs. Is he going to come in as a rookie and really, really tear it up? I don't think you have Jamar Chase on this team anywhere. No. So it's, it's going to come down to, like, I think Aaron Jones is probably the most talented guy with the ball in his hands on this team. And the offense just becomes get the ball to your best player, Aaron Jones. Let him do what he does. Before we kind of look at some of the other teams around the, the NFC North and talk about some of my, my favorite tabloid stuff that's been happening around the team, I want to talk, talk a bit about uh, 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 keeping guys versus letting guys go. Of course, uh, what the, when the Smiths got brought in, Zadarius and Preston, immediately Zadarius Smith became the bigger story, I think, because he's got a little bit of a more outsized personality. And that first year he was on the team in particular, his production was immediate. And, you know, he got recognized as as a locker room presence as well as a field presence in, in the very early goings. Darius Smith is uh, is over on Minnesota, perhaps, as a, what's going to be a lone bright spot on a team that's going to have a rough time right now. But uh, I love the guys that Green Bay decided to bring back. I've never been big on Preston Smith, but you have a like a, a professional level sort of C plus B minus uh, edge guy in Preston who's particularly good in the run game. So I... That's a good signing, but uh, being able to bring back Rasul Douglas is uh, huge for me. That's that's the one I love because, you know, there's as as you can see in the draft, I really believe like if you've got cornerback one and Jair Alexander, that hopefully is going to be able to be back and be right this year. But if you've got cornerback one and you love him and you're committed to him, I, for me, there's no better time to sign cornerback two than right when you <laughs> know you have cornerback one, because uh, uh, otherwise. Other, it's the NFL. Coaches can game plan around one shutdown corner, but you know, being able to game plan around a cornerback group that overall is graded as like an A A minus, that's a lot harder. Oh yeah, I, Eric Stokes last year. I mean, oh absolutely. How much? How much do you take stock in like Pro Football Focus ratings, whatever? But Stokes was graded out as like a top ten cornerback in the league last year. Razul Douglas was absolutely incredible. And now those are your top three. I'm, I that's tough. And a, a safety group of Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos, that's just, that's just really tough. Yeah, I'm I, every year that I, I boot up and I see that Adrian Amos is still on the team, I I, I smile a little bit because he is uh, he has been such a solid performer. Uh, you know, right in there, his signing got overshadowed by the Smiths, of course. But uh, yes. we don't you know, we don't nearly talk about Adrian Amos enough because. You know, really, if a safety is doing his job, you're really not supposed to be talking about him all that much. Yeah, he's he's been really, really good in, in one of the linchpins of this defense that, man, I, I just I struggle to find a real weak point in this in this defense. Yeah, if there if there is a weak point for me, it's just the fact that you have not you do not have a proven edge rusher right now. And you know, beyond Kenny Clark, like there, there are some D line questions. Like you've got all the talent in the world, but when it comes to like actual production, like if you're talking about a situation where Rashawn Gary is missing more than two or three weeks out of an injury, I don't know who you have there, but beyond that, like there's, there's so much talent on the squad, but that to me is kind of the spot where I look at and go like, they, they really are 
only in that D line, hedging their like hedging their bets on not having not having. If one guy goes down, I'm lost in this sentence. It's it's gone. Uh, we took a week break. It was a really long week. But you know, between Gary and Kenny Clark, if you're playing without one of those guys, you're you're in a situation where you, I don't know that you have a lot of guys that you like out there. After that, yeah, I think if they're in, it's a strength. If they're out, you're in trouble. Yeah, but that 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 is uh, that's pretty much <laughs> that is that's the whole NFL right there. If uh, if you if you <laughs> hey, if our key guys don't play, we're going to be bad. I cover enough football to to know that that that's the case. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, in this long week that we took off, Aaron Rodgers has become. Uh, I'm going to say at least two times as weird and half as interesting just as a public figure as he used to be. I I don't think, uh, you know, COVID and the resulting and the resulting nonsense that came out of Rogers from that. uh, I don't, I don't know that he quite understands like how, how much that tarnished his reputation. I mean, at least like if we're just talking about it from a selfish perspective, like, I'd prefer if players supported things like vaccines and and weren't weren't being intentionally duplicitous with people regarding them because that is uh, you know, these are public health matters and and these get down to some of my broader views about like society and the need for collective action and understanding. But uh, if we set those things aside, like Rogers got way less interesting and uh, his his. I'm going to just outright call them crackpot tendencies have have risen from like a slight simmer to a boil. And I'm not happy about that. Yeah. And I, I think kind of on the general, like just anytime I hear somebody talk about like, no, I did psychedelics and now I understand. Now I get empathy. Yeah. I'm like, look, man, if you had to like experience ego death, to understand empathy and caring, how about you shut the fuck up? Yeah, how about let, you not say that? Let's let how about, how about you about act it. like yeah. you knew it the whole time? Yeah. You understood it. Just just shut the fuck up. It's it's real. It's been so disappointing because that's the thing you mentioned that like if uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify your statement as as a guy who like did a bunch of psychedelics and and did have you know certain things. But when we're talking about that phase of my life, we're talking about my teens and early twenties, yeah. <laughs> which is, which is a much Times better, yeah, where you don't have empathy, <laughs> 36 <laughs> and, yeah. and a multi multi-millionaire who no one ever shuts up about ever. And to be talking along those lines to me, just, yeah, it, 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 I don't know that it reads the way he thinks it reads. It read because it reads badly to adults who are sitting at their computers. You know, even even people like even people that I work like older folks who might be a little bit more politically aligned with the with the sort of idiot libertarian stuff that Roger seems to be delving into. Like even people who are more aligned with that, like Roger, they don't. I don't think they view Rogers as a good avatar for this kind of mindset. No, no, because <laughs> he sounds dumb. Oh, yeah, one time you sent me a text. I have it saved in my my favorite photos. You sent me a text. That, <laughs> there was something like, "Why must people always speak about this fucking Atlas Shrugged novel?" And I was like, "Yeah, it, Why are we it, still everybody talking about I've, it? everybody I've met who's an idiot and has read that book will not shut the fuck up about it." 
And now the face of the NFL read the fucking book and he won't shut the fuck up about it. I don't even know that he's read it. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Which I think, which I think gives him something in common with a lot of other people who won't shut the fuck up about it. Yeah, <laughs> is that they have not read it. I I have not read it, and therefore I I don't talk about it very much. But yeah, I, I you know the 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 sort of underpinning idea of like society uh, being at its best when it's composed out of like single integer rational actors is is asinine on its face. Like I don't I don't need to. I don't need to do a lot of research to, to tell you that that's stupid. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I view it as a little bit more prima facie than a lot of these guys, but yeah, Roger Rogers to me is, is a question mark purely because like, uh, he just, he, he a, a lot of stuff that we assumed about him. And I mentioned this to you via text as well, although um, I, I didn't save this one either. Uh, something along the lines of like, he had a lot of people fooled about being like, he's the guy, he's the smart guy in the NFL. He's on jeopardy. And, uh, you know, I, I think that sometimes like, and I don't want to denigrate athletes cause I like athletes, but sometimes if you're the smartest player on a football team, sometimes that doesn't mean that you're actually smart. <laughs> sometimes it just means that you're the smartest player on a football team. Yeah. And I also wonder like, maybe he didn't have everybody fooled. And he was a pretty normal dude for a long time. And then something shifted. Yeah. It, yeah, it feels we, like the rhetoric out of Rodgers the last couple of years has been pretty radically different from the rhetoric we got from Rodgers a couple of years ago. Hell yeah. Technical difficulties. We love them. We were, we were talking about Aaron Rodgers. I think the universe was telling me to shut up about Rogers. I've I've been a big defender of this guy. You know, I I think I think you're right in that like the previous previous media appearances for him just do not seem to have the same uh, same tenor right now. And it's it's unfair to speculate. But yeah, one of the things that we talk about when you talk about like football as being a dangerous sport is that uh, sometimes people who play it and get injured deal with personality changes and, and view like start thinking about things different ways. And I absolutely think that there's a paranoid tendency in a lot of what Rogers is talking about right now. And the word paranoia gets used a lot when you're talking about some of the bad effects that uh, traumatic brain injuries have on people. Yeah. It's scary stuff. I don't, you know, I don't want to assume that that's what happened. It totally could have been a, just a relative shift. There was a lot of... Um, yeah, he could just be an asshole. He could totally just be an asshole. In America, in the last, I don't know, five years, there's been a lot of shifts in people's public-facing personas. Oh, yeah. Like, if you're in the asshole business, business is booming. Oh, 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 buddy. it's This is the best it might have ever been. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, don't, I totally could just be... That he got older and went. Oh, I'm gonna lean into being a, a dickhead more, which is have totally had, yeah. allowed in our society. So you know, have you ever heard? Uh, plenty of people say this. Have you ever heard the maxim that, of course, like you grow more conservative as you grow older. You start you start as sure. more and more liberal, and you grow conservative as you grow older. Like I, I don't know. You know, I'm I'm I've never been been one to just kind of do what's happening, but like. I've gone the opposite way and that I become more of a communist every second that I'm alive. 
but uh, uh, it's, yeah, it's for some people, it definitely does happen. And, and you, you watch it a lot with, with some folks as, as soon as they get a little, uh, a little stake of the pies, as soon as their struggle gets a little bit less then it becomes about, about protecting it instead of trying to imagine a world where like, I don't know, the society was better off and more stable because more people had access to resources. But yeah, this could just be a, the natural progression of, of uh, you know, you're able to afford that BMW and that 3000 square foot house out in Naperville. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, uh, you know, you love Donald Trump for some reason. Oh, uh, yeah. It's you're not isolated from society, Mike. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm not. He is. I'm out there uh, all the time. Yeah, he is. He is as isolated as he wants to be whenever he wants to be i i think that's probably most likely it we can we can talk bad about aaron Rodgers all we like i don't want him to leave the football field no he should be Um, on the football field i would like him on the football field no that doesn't mean that i don't think jordan love is good i think that there's a a list of teams that would take jordan love as their starter right now i think he overall played decent this preseason and, and looked a mile beyond where he was last year, but I don't, I don't want him starting games for the green Bay Packers this year. I had the bad luck of when I've been able to see games this off season or this preseason. And there's been a number of factors work and also personal life stuff that just kind of kept me away from my, my television screen to the amount of which I would love to have been in front of my television screen, because if I'm sitting in front of my television screen, it means I'm having a good time, but I, I have had the bad luck of tuning in on when, whenever Jordan love is about to do something really fucking dumb. <laughs> I think I saw every pick that he threw all four of them in the preseason. I think I just tuned in and watched those happen in real time. So I'm a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a head scratcher on Jordan love. Like you cannot deny that the, the physical talent is there and there's, there's some intangible physical talent as well. There's got some escapability. He is, he has got a, uh, I think he's got a pretty decent sense of what's going on in the pocket around him, which is a definite improvement, but if I'm in that front office, I am, I know they talked about this around draft time, but I'm still actively looking for buyers on Jordan love, because I've said this a bunch, the minute that you start playing him, the minute that he's like, he's your starter for more than just a spot fill in for more than just a a preseason for more than just a garbage regular season game. The minute that you're counting on him to win you games, his value is going to drop because right now his value is defined around the fact that we don't know what he is, except that you can clearly evaluate him as a very skilled athlete and also someone that the Packers were willing to pay a high price to acquire in the first place. So there has never been a better time than now to sell high on a third-year quarterback who has never played a meaningful down in the league. I think the selling on Jordan Love is most likely to happen this offseason, this coming offseason. Because uh, I think it's in May they have to choose to pick up his fifth-year option or not, and that's a $20 million cap hit when the Packers are going to be in true cap hell. And if Rodgers is still playing, it's tough to dedicate $70 million to your quarterback room. That's impossible. To it, it, that you much. can't. It, you, could, you technically could. You wouldn't have anyone of value at any other position. You could do it uh, in Madden, and, and you'd end up in like a John Boys video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be a, a joke uh, that we're we're trying to see if we can win, dedicating our whole cap to our quarterback room. Um, it, you know, I I think he's shown massive improvement. And what I will say about Jordan Love is, if if we go back to that first game, he played pretty on par with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Those 
those they both looked bad. That was not <laughs> he he didn't look great. He showed he showed a few things, but just look at the blind stat lines from that game. Blind box score. And is the box score gonna tell you everything? No, because the box score would say that Jordan Love threw four picks uh this preseason and were two of them clunked off of his receivers' heads? Yes. So do those count? In the box score they do on film, they shouldn't. Um uh, but, you know, in, in his only actual NFL action, I didn't think he looked dreadful. I thought he looked totally fine. And a guy that eight teams in the NFL are going to say, I'd, I'd take that guy. Steelers, they'd take that guy. Yeah, they Dolphins, will. They'd take that guy. Jets, they'd probably take that guy. The Giants, they'd take that guy. I think the Seahawks uh, would take him right now, too. Seahawks would take him. Any team that's having a legitimate conversation about making Geno Smith a day one starter has a problem. Yeah. Uh, the Panthers, <laughs> Browns they take might him. take that guy. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a list of teams that would take Jordan Love and he'd be a day one starter. And we'd go, yeah, well, let's see what he's got. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I, I don't think – I'm not worried about Jordan Love. I'm worried about Jordan Love's place on this team if Aaron Rodgers continues. If Rodgers retires after this year, I say, I don't think you draft a new guy. I think you let Jordan Love – you give Jordan Love a year or two, see what he's got in actual action. He's improved so much from last year to this year, and especially considering, you know, like – he didn't have a rookie season, right? Like there was no preseason, there was no training camp. Essentially, it's two point five season. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. I don't think I was. I don't think I was considering quite exactly what the twenty twenty season was. And he's he's still younger than he's younger. He's like within six months of Kenny Pickett, who is, you know, one of the top quarterbacks drafted this year. He's like twenty three. I'm not. I'm not ready to sell out on Jordan Love. I think what he's shown has been pretty good in the preseason, obviously playing against base defenses with base offenses. But yeah. he's had some really nice throws this, this preseason, and that's what you're you're just looking to build on. That's going to be our Packers chat. I want to talk about the other three teams in the NFC North who I I think the only team that's that's going to take a recognizable step forward this year are the Detroit Lions. That's not it mean they're going to be good. It means they're going to be less bad. Uh, mm-hmm. But I want to start with the Bears because the Bears are the most hilarious team on earth at all times. Uh, they're back on the coaching carousel. Uh, it's it's Matt Eberflus with a new GM now. Um, they they start as you always start with. Uh, you know, when dysfunctional organizations talk about cleaning house, they replace a couple of guys at top and then replace all of the guys who were productive for you. So you've got a team of, of Justin Fields and, and you know, a couple of real, I think some real studs on the defensive side of the ball as well, but a team that is completely adrift right now. I'm curious to see your thoughts on the bears and what they did this off season, because I just roll my eyes at all of it. It continues to be silly. Yeah. Allen Robinson leaving is, is tough. Um, the Bears are somehow in cap hell while also being one of the worst teams in football. Ryan Pace just ruined them. Um, I, you know, I, I think their goal has to be their offensive line is dreadful. I think their goal has to be like keep Justin Fields alive for one more year when they exit cap hell and have a good amount of draft picks 
and like a hundred million dollars in cap space in 2023. Yeah, if he's, like that if has he's to, still alive and healthy, then then you've then you've succeeded at whatever yeah. it is you're trying to do. In in like you know similar, I I would put Jordan Love and Justin Fields in the same boat of like shown some flashes. Are they good yet? No. Are there ten teams that would take these guys as their starters? Yes. Um, I think they're they're pretty similar in what they've shown. I I Justin Fields, I really like him. I I do. I I think he's going to be all right. Um, but can he be all right with Mooney as his number one receiver and a bad offensive line? And you know who's David Montgomery as the running back? Like I I off offensively, I think the Bears are going to be bad. Defensively, I think they'll be bad, but not as bad as their offense. Um. Don't think they're the worst team in this division. I think they'll be in third again um, and win six games. So eh. let's let's uh, let's move on to who you who you think the worst team in this division is. Is it still the Lions or are the Vikings enough of a mess now? No, I think it'll still be the Lions, and and it'll still be the Lions with some improvement. You know, I think the Lions will be a similar. I think they'll be in lockstep with the Bears for six to eight wins. Uh, they're going to play hard every game, which I can't say about the Bears. You know, it's all props to Dan Campbell for getting that Lions team to be as scrappy as they were last year. I think they'll take a a minor step and have some stretches where you go, huh, this Lions team might not be uh, might not be the worst team in football, and that deserves every that deserves all the praise in the world. I think they'll look decent at at, at times this year. The uh, NFC North is incredible because you have a situation where you can have an organization like the Chicago Bears, which is you know ostensibly controlled by a uh, you know, a woman reported to be in poor health who's also ninety nine years old, and and her you know her various her various children who are sort of like you know trying to poorly be the Ricketts. <laughs> like when sure which is already like oh you yeah you, you have them. like you have and they are not the most tattered franchise in your division that is you know the the lions gosh at least i'm with you on campbell he seems like the right coach for that situation and i i certainly hope they give him plenty of time as well because if if you're if you're expecting the lions to start winning games this year or next year or or you're going to put campbell on the chopping block that would be clearly pretty stupid because you've just you've got to move on from a situation where everyone hates the coach and you've got to have at least five or six years of the players liking the coach like i (laughs) that's gotta you like the goals are so small for detroit right now it's like the players have to not hate being there yeah it's it's i really like what dan campbell's done and i i actually like what the lions are starting to do in like their team building stuff. Like they're focusing on being very top heavy, which I like Aiden Hutchinson. I like Jamison Williams. I like the DJ Chark pickup. You've got Amon Ross St. Brown. That's a, you've got DeAndre Swift in the backfield. That's a pretty good list of skill players. If DJ Chark is your third wide receiver, I think you're doing all right. They're a team in hunt of a quarterback. And I kind of like their strategy of like, let's start to build up everything around that quarterback first before we bring in the quarterback um yeah i i there's there's guys in this squad that i really really like and i don't think there's enough for that to turn into anything good 
but there's people that I like and I, I always feel bad for the Lions. So it's, I'm excited to look at this Lions team and go like, Oh man, I like some of these guys. Well, you've got the perfect placeholder in Jared Goff as well. In that like this guy, this is not a guy who's going to single-handedly lose you games. He's not, you know, he's never going to play great. I've never seen Jared Goff play great, but you can at least throw him out there and count on him to like, you know, show up on time. He gets up when his alarm goes off. You know, if you ask him to read a book, he's going to put it the right way up. Like there, he's doing, he's doing enough, right. To, to pass the eyeball test. I, yeah, I, I Detroit is Detroit is fun in that. Like, I don't have to, you know, actively, I don't have to actively feel bad for them anymore because like clearly Matt Patricia and the, you know, the coaching that they'd been through, like, you know, after just inexplicably, firing the coach whose name I forget right now um, because it's my brain is, is very bad, but you know, from Patricia onwards, it's been like, you've just got to, you've got to unfuck that situation somehow. And like, when you fuck it that badly, the unfucking will take time. Uh, speaking of unfucking uh, Vikings, they're done with Mike Zimmer. They had enough of that guy. Uh, Kevin O'Connell is their head coach right now. Here's, here's what, here's why I think the Vikings are going to be okay this year is because they still got Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen, who are the two most like B plus guys I've ever seen. They've got a ton of talent at wide receiver and they've got a quarterback who chucks it to them. Yeah. They've got Justin Jefferson, who I think is a top five wide receiver in yeah. football and will be for a long time. He's incredible. They've got Dalvin cook who if Dalvin cook can stay healthy. He's a, top 10 ish running back. He can, he can really run. Um, you've got Adam Thielen who is, yeah, as, as B as it can get. Um, I, I think the, the Vikings are going to score a lot of points and they're going to give up a lot of points as they're trying to unfuck the Mike Zimmer defense. I think they made some nice moves. I like Lewis sin. Um, he'll play alongside of Harrison Smith. I think he's going to be a good safety for him. Um, Andrew Booth Jr. kind of just continues the Vikings search for a good cornerback that's been going on since Xavier Rhodes and hasn't really done anything. Um, so that might be it. Everything else about this Vikings defense, I don't know what they've got. You know, Z- Zedarius Smith, he had a good year with the Packers and since then has kind of been middling. Well, I tell you what, when the Vikings and Packers play two times this year, Zadarius Smith is going to have that Vikings D all sorts of fired up because Oh yeah. Yeah, his the you know, the the strength of his personality I, I think is is makes up for you know, the fact that yeah, he's 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 been up or down performance-wise on the field and health-wise. But uh boy, he you know, when he was feeling good out on the field, the Packers defense was feeling good out on the field with him. And so they're going to they're going to kind of come out cuz I think they now, the Vikings love to do this. You know, they bring in, they bring in Favre to be the heel at the end of his career. Zaria Smith is not a Brett Favre kind of figure. He doesn't have that stature reputation or anything, but at the same time, they love to bring in former Packers to just kind of like feed a feed that rivalry, which I think the Vikings are also just generally jealous of the fact that if you ask the Packers who their biggest rival are, they'll, you know, most guys are not going to tell you the Vikings and the Vikings would love for you to say that it's yeah. the Packers. Yeah. It's, I mean, Darren Sharper, Ryan Longwell. They, oh man, I feel like they got Greg Jennings for a bit. They had Brett Favre. They love it's, doing it. They love doing it. And hey, I get it. 
there's a franchise near you that does really good player development. You don't as a franchise. So scoop up those guys uh, when they exit their rookie contract and you have to pay them a bunch of money. Totally. Um, yeah, I, I think the Vikings will be the second best team in this division. I think they'll win seven to nine games. I don't think they'll win 10. I don't think they'll crack double digits. Um, but yeah, I think I think their offense is going to score a lot of points. I don't think I think kind of the upshot of this whole division is it's not going to be a ten game gap from the top team to the bottom team again. You know, I I don't think the Packers will win thirteen games this yeah, year. That was, that was going to be my my next question, kind of a, a closeout question for for episode one of this this new look same same result show, which is uh, give me your your projected outcome of the NFC North this season kind of uh, one one through four with a guess at the record yeah i'm gonna say packers go 11 and six that is exactly where i had them actually 11 and six yeah uh vikings go nine and eight bears go eight and nine seven and ten and lions at six and eleven okay yeah so yeah you're a little bit i i really don't i don't know that the bears crack six I think the Lions end up in front of the Bears because I think the Bears end up somewhere in the the three and fourteen range this wow, year. Okay, I, uh, I there's there's just uh there's there's too much, and especially if uh, if Virginia Hallis were to pass away and that team were to enter enter into like sort of uh, you know estate probate hell because already like like the you know the the relationship with the city and Soldier Field has deteriorated. Then no no one's happy about that right now. They're talking about this this racetrack site out in Arlington Heights. You know this this is a team under a first year head coach that that already there's sort of question marks as as to player relationships with. Uh, I don't I don't see them I don't see them being competitive in a lot of games this year. So I actually yeah I, I'm about with you on the on the Vikings. They could they could absolutely and they could be anywhere between seven and nine and and 10 and seven really, or they could do a little bit better. Cause again, cousins, cousins and that wide receiver core, those, yeah, that, that skill position wins games. They, they flat out do. And there's a lot of possibility there. And I think the, I think the Lions surprise people and end up somewhere in the, the six and 11 to possibly eight, possibly eight, eight, and nine range. I think they could, they could surprise a lot of people this year. And it just purely based on the fact that like there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of growth and there's a lot of belief going on there, but yeah, the the Bears this year, I'm, I'm I'm way down on there. There just doesn't seem to be a lot going right in any direction, outside of Justin Fields, on that team right now. And you know, they finally got Roquan Smith back, but outside of that, there's just from from the very top down, like all the all the news is bad. Well, I, I, I think that the fact that they have two games against the Lions means Lions means they get they have at least one win. Uh, they'll be playing bottom of the barrel teams from every every division. I think the Bears will be I think they'll be all right. I think Justin Fields is gonna take a little bit of a jump here and that'll be enough to win you some games. Um I I think the Vikings will win every single game in a shootout. I don't think there will be a single slug fest in the Vikings win column this year. There's no way they win a game 10 to three. It's, it's, it's going to be 42 to 35 every single night out. Yeah. I think, I think you're very right. And 
speaking of the Vikings, that's going to be the week one matchup all the way into the future on September the 11th. So we have uh, uh, 10 days. If I actually learn how to count before the start of the regular season, it's, it's green Bay at Minnesota in week number one. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I think, uh, I think maybe we can get uh, get one more episode in before the regular season starts. If uh, if we've got the uh, the will to do it, we might have to take an extended week break. I'm not sure, but I I tell you what, I'm I'm looking forward to football this year. It's been, I mean, just just personally, there's you know, there's just been some some health and some uh, some business stuff going on in my life that's kind of kept me from living normally in the last thirty days. So just the fact that like fall has come around. Um, my job has become normal again, all of a sudden, and, you know, health questions have been resolved and everyone around here is feeling good and hundred percent again, like it feels great. It's great to talk to you. Uh, Cheeseheads in Chicagoland is, is, uh, has been a blast all the way through and uh, bringing it back for the 2022 season is a fantastic idea. So good on you for doing that. I'm looking forward to week one. How do you want to close this thing out, man? Um, how do I want to close it out? I don't know. Do you have a do you have a do you have a quote for this year? Do you have any any personal stances you're willing to take? Ah, I I have a, I have a bunch of personal stances <laughs> I'm willing to take that that probably aren't about football. Um, one of my personal stances is uh, buy my album. I recorded an album. It's at overnightmike.bandcamp.com. That is my my musical moniker is overnight Mike. So uh, that's that's my stance is please please buy my album. Uh, I have made about $90 on selling that album. I'm deeply grateful to everyone who purchased it. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun to, to work on music. It's a privilege to have that in my life in whatever capacity I can have it in. So uh, if you feel like it, check it out. I, I will say, Mike, you're one of my friends. I say this unbiasedly, removing the friend part. One of my favorite albums that I've listened to this year. Um, I listened to it walking through midtown manhattan for the first time i don't know why i was over there i shouldn't have been i think i was buying a <laughs> pair of shoes or something um and god what it's the song with i feel like his name's tom jones at a loss oh yeah at a loss with my with my buddy tim 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 um one of my favorite songs of the year i've listened to it a ton of times oh thank you so and much man i wish yeah. i could give you the eight cents of Apple Music streaming, but I paid for it on Bandcamp and downloaded the files. So uh, that's what you I get the full. That. Yeah, you get the full ten dollars or whatever I paid. I'm I'm a believer in in buying music as opposed to streaming it in the first place. That's kind of why I send people to the Bandcamp. It's it's on all the streaming shit. If if people want it there, but yeah, I'm a firm believer that you should be able to uh, you should be able to own copies of the things that you buy. It's not a licensing thing. There, you know, they're your files. Uh, my friend Tim Jones, I'm going to plug his stuff too because uh, he's in a band called the Loose Roosters. They've just done a series of shows all through the summer. And uh, one of the additions to their set list this year was their sort of roots rock Americana take on At A Loss. And they've been they've been doing that. So check them out. The Loose Roosters out of Boone, North Carolina. They're fantastic. Um, I, I don't have a Twitter account or anything to plug. So I'm done. I'm done plugging stuff. Um, are, you, are you doing anything that you want people to know about, Matt? um i'm gonna be drinking a lot of beer this this football season oh yeah absolutely um, unquestionably if, if, if you're in new york i'll dox myself you can find me at tom and jerry's uh in in soho it's it's my favorite packers bar in the city um 
other than that, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can. I'll start tweeting again once Packers football starts. Um, it's at Matt Malumsetter. At Malumsetter. Excuse me. Not at Matt Malumsetter. At Malumsetter. Um, yeah, that's all I got. My, my stance is, is drink beer during the football games. Yeah, that's that's exactly what we're going to be doing. Looking forward to the season. Uh, we've been Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. That's Matt. I'm Mike. We'll be back with you for another one, either ahead of game number one or after game number one, depending on how everything shakes out. But uh, we're glad to have you along with us once again for the season. And until we talk to you again, stay cheesy. Are we still saying Yeah. That? Stay yeah. cheesy, baby. That's it.